0: When you look at a hybridized security model, which we have for decred, the security component that comes from proof of stake actually ends up being the dominating, uh, the dominating uh, component. So there's going to be, uh, you know, uh, when I say security here, I'm talking mm-hmm. about the cost of executing a, what is it, a majority attack where, yeah. where basically you can, you know, reorganize the blockchain depth one or, more, or greater. The, the majority of the cost of that goes to, you know, is, it's dominated by proof of stake. Once the cost of a coin is over, I don't know, like 10 or 15 or $20 in, in the case of Decret, you know, these things vary depending on supply for everybody, but that's, that's a, a major advantage of, of proof of stake, which is that the cost to attack it is much higher from a majority, uh, you know, from a majority attack perspective.
1: Over the past two podcasts, I've been exploring the crypto consensus issue, comparing proof of work to proof of stake, and kind of getting the most energetic and knowledgeable and passionate people I could find to advocate strongly in favor of one or the other, while of course, you know, acknowledging some of the inherent trade-offs between them. But what if there's more than just two options? So I reached out to the Decred team. Now Decred uses a hybrid of proof of stake, proof of work, And has for a while and also recently significantly reduced the proof of work exposure and I kind of wanted to touch on both of those things so I chatted with the co-founder to see kind of what he thinks and it was pretty illuminating the way he sees proof of work mining from the perspective of someone who's not only not super committed to it obviously because of a hybridized system but who's had some interesting experiences but his own network was kind of attacked by its own miners at least from that perspective well anyway Listen to the interview. It's going to be an interesting one. All right. So, hey, everyone. I have the fantastic pleasure today of speaking with the one and only Jake Yocum Piat. How's it going, man? Pretty well. Yourself, Joel? I'm doing pretty well. You know, just trying to understand this crazy and fast um, advancing space. Oh, Really quick, do you want to just tell people about who you are what you do? Sure thing. Um, My name is Jake Yocum Piat. I am
0: the... uh, the CEO, formerly of Conformal Systems and currently of Company Zero, and Company Zero is the lead contractor for the Decred project. And I'm effectively, at least for for a short time longer, the uh, project lead for Decred. And um, you know, I build open source software and uh, blockchain stuff. And I've been in, I've been at this since 2013. So what is that now? Like we're on year nine or something like that yeah so i've been in the I've been in the game a while. We used to work on bitcoin. we got tired of that. It was too centrally planned for my tastes and uh then we moved on and created our own project uh and um we actually have a lot of similarities with uh the the project that you know I know you've been working with for a long time, which is dash
1: yeah yeah that's for sure it's um it's kind of a, an interesting story um it's almost like some people might call it like a super villain origin story, or a hero superhero origin story where everyone kind of wanted to contribute something cool to Bitcoin at a certain juncture, and then they it just didn't work out the way they wanted to. And then they said, Well, you know, I'm gonna I still think this is important to figure out. Let me go do this off on a, a different chain. And today that seems to be less of a it seems to be a little bit more people just go right to trying something new. But it seems it it's like that initial uh, group of people and projects that were trying to with saw bitcoin's potential were pretty amazed by it and decided to try to improve it and it didn't quite work out that way and then decided to do something else
0: yeah i mean i think that i think that that seems that sounds like it's a common problem where it's like you know a lot of people mm-hmm. early in the space wanted to help build and then you know, Bitcoin, the, the Bitcoin core developers were effectively a central planning committee and what they said went. And so if they didn't like it, it wasn't going to mm-hmm. happen. And I mean, it still is effectively like that as much as anybody wants to create a narrative to the contrary. Mm-hmm. And this, you know, this pattern, you know, it still continues on to this day, which is, you know, there's a there's a very narrow range sort of a narrow Overton window of what's acceptable in Bitcoin and what isn't. And if it's not in that Overton window, then, you know, you can GTFO and that's what (laughs) I believe most of us ended up doing.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, So one of the things that makes Decred different from a lot of projects is that it has a neither proof of work nor proof of stake fully um, consensus system. And uh, do you want to kind of talk about how that got created? Sure.
0: So the way this ended up coming about is it was proposed by, uh, you know, this, this identity taco time and they came and they pushed it and they pushed it at me and I was supposed to look at it. So what was Mm -hmm. interesting to me about it is this hybrid proof of work, proof of stake consensus system interleaves proof of work and proof of stake where instead of it being just one or the other or you know where one is secondary you know where one is uh you know say proof of work is in charge what it really did is it put proof of stake in charge so that proof of work is really the you know the people who write to the ledger and create the blocks but then when it comes to uh, then when it comes to going okay well what are we going to do are we going to change consensus rules are we going to Uh, are we going to release treasury payments are we going to uh you know what other changes are we going to make that really comes back to the stakeholders so it interleaves the two protocols the proof of work and proof of stake and then you know what you can do is you can effectively pick up the benefits of both of them and wash out the you know the uh the weak points of both of them so that. For example, one of the benefits of proof of work is that it's unidirectional. You can't, you know, you can't mine two blocks at the same time and not pay the cost to mine both of them. So, so there's that and it's it's harder to fork. You actually have to pay a concrete cost and you can actually lose that, right? So it's effectively unidirectional and irreversible. Whereas proof of work is trivially, you know, trivially uh, multiplex where you can like create several blocks simultaneously. And be like, well, it doesn't cost anything to me, so no, you know, no skin off my sack. So when it, you know, it, you can take the weakness of proof of work there, which is, hey, it's reversible, and you combine it with, with the irreversibility of proof of, uh, of proof of work, and then you get something that's net irreversible. So it allows you to wash out the, the weak parts of both, which I can get into in more detail a little bit later.
1: Yeah. So uh, before we get into like the more common like criticisms or debates around you know both those kinds of things uh, so as far as bitcoin-based cryptocurrencies are concerned it seems like uh, in addition to security proof-of-work mining also provides like a governance uh, aspect to it or in theory and I now mean, of course history's kind of shown us that it, it the reality just kind of shakes out a little bit different but at, supposedly at the end of the day the miners have the ultimate say as far as which chain they choose to mine on. And that's kind of been interpreted by the Bitcoin community, the Bitcoin Cash, SV, everything else, community as the way the governance is done is by where do the miners go? Now, it seems like, if I'm not mistaken, as far as the governance aspect of making decisions, miners don't really have that big of a role in decred. Is that right?
0: Well, that's right. What what we've done is we've made it so that A miner doesn't have sovereignty over the decision, the decisions that we make at the consensus level. So, for example, if we propose a consensus change, the miners are welcome to hold on to their coins, stake them and then participate in that governance system. But they're also welcome to mine those coins and then dump them. And, Mm -hmm. you know, what we recently had seen was and this is like a whole big tangent, but. What we had seen was effectively that there was a cabal of miners who had mined an enormous amount of decred and have, have effectively used it as a stick against the project, where they can, you know, they can control the price because they have a huge number of coins. And when I say huge, I mean three million plus, and our circulating supply is like, you know, what is it, fourteen million now? So it's like we're talking, you know, on, on the order of twenty-five percent of the circulating supply of decred was held in a in a reserve by these miners and then used as a stick against the project so so they were always welcome to stake this and participate in the project but instead it seems that they're more interested in using it as a stick to hold the project back and to also act as a tool for them to profit so so that's sort of what we've ended up seeing and then how things ended up shaking out with our recent consensus change where we reduced the uh, subsidy uh, of the miners from 60% of every block to
1: 10%. Yeah, so about that that stick, so they accrued a, a large amount of funds that could be used if they decided to stake. It could be used to have a, a I would say a large impact on the, go- on the legit, so to speak, governance of Decred, But instead uh, they held on this money and were just using it for market manipulation. Is that what I'm understanding? That's my that's my read
0: after having seen quite a bit of on chain analysis related to this uh, you know to to what has occurred, which is mm-hmm. that instead of instead of saying hey we're going to take these coins we're going to participate in the governance and help you know build Decred what they did is they sort of covertly sat and had this huge cache of coins some of it was staked but they weren't mm-hmm. voting it. so basically it was just they were sitting and collecting gains from staking while they were mining. And then instead of, you know, trying to say, hey, we hold a huge amount of this asset, maybe it would be good if we helped try to buoy the value of it because that would buoy, you know, sort of the value of our holdings. That is absolutely not the path they took. Basically, they, the, the position they've taken is we will do whatever we can uh, to control the, 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 the price of decred. Mm -hmm. and you know uh, sovereignty be damned they didn't want a stake they wanted to to them their priority was to control the price of decred not participate Mm -hmm. and enhance the project
1: yeah so a profit motive like everyone who participates in the system but in a kind of in a kind of a zero-sum way not like i want to make money by doing something that benefits others but like i just want to make money period and i don't care if other people lose money
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and I think it was, you know, just like you're saying in a zero sum way, everybody making money requires, you know, somebody losing money, there is a zero sum aspect to it. But also, like, I mean, think about it from this perspective, if you held the 25% of the circulating supply of any cryptocurrency, I would expect that most of those people are at least, you know, strongly aligned with the, you know, the interests of that project to be like, I want to see this project succeed because I hold so much of it. And that Mm. was most definitely not the case here. So, so, uh, you know, whoever was doing this is, uh, was really out for the, out for the money part of it and less so for the, uh, you know, and I say short-term money part of it, not the long-term money.
1: Yeah. So before we dive deep into that whole thing, because that seems to be the, um, the crux of this whole thing of the balance between proof of work and stake and all that stuff uh, what do you see as the benefits or the the good parts about proof of work as a whole the things that are desirable to keep
0: well let's talk about the various aspects of proof of work so mm-hmm. one of the good ones is the irreversibility it's sort of a it's a it's a forward running process you run a computation, you can't unrun that computation. There's a finite cost to that. So it's uh, what is it? Uh, what, what's the unforgeably costly is the, is a good way to put it. So there's the unforgeable costliness of proof of work, and that's good. It's, you know, it's helpful and it gives us a time ordering. It gives people a way to vote that can't be faked trivially. So there's that component that's good. Another co- component of it that's good is that it adds entropy. So anytime you're dealing with one of these systems where you're voting, in order to have fair voting, the voting needs to be random. So there needs to be effectively a sortition on the votes. So you put all the votes in a bucket and then you you know, you know you jumble them. My understanding is is that, uh, is that Dash operates similarly in this regard. Mm-hmm. So that if you don't have entropy when it comes time to select your you know your 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 proof of stake validators you can, people can game that right you know like if it's pretty random but not very random then you know people who have a lot of stake could go oh let me game this so that i get more votes or i vote more often than everybody else to yeah. magnify my stake so there's there there's that component of it and that's actually especially important for proof of stake but there are some other good things i mean if you ask the question well what else is good about proof of work one thing is is that proof of work um was really the first way that someone had proposed with Bitcoin to say, listen, the way we solve the, you know, the Byzantine generals problem is, is that we, is that we actually were voting, but we're voting with computing power. And so voting with computing power has all these nice properties. It allows you to vote and it can't be faked. So, so, you know, at least early on, this was a great way to roll but then it comes back to, okay, well, who's in control of all the hash power. And so early on, that's obviously a really great way to, to move, mm-hmm. but as sort of the, the, the industry matures, then things like hash power become really concentrated. So there's there's definitely some downsides to proof of work as well.
1: Yeah, so what are these kinds of downsides you see?
0: Well, the bi- one of the biggest ones is the centralization, right? because hash power you know when it started it was hey do you have a computer and then run the computer that was pretty you know egalitarian people can you know it was pretty uh, distributed sort of like you know uh, whatever it is random x's mm-hmm. with xmr so it's nominally distributed not everybody has a whole bunch of computers oh you run a computer in your basement you mine some coins that's cool nobody has a huge edge over someone else but then you get into GPU mining and ASIC mining, and then it becomes this game of fabrication, right? Who can get these circuits fabricated cheapest and who can run them cheapest? And then, you know, um, that part of it, the, the uh, what is it? The economy of scale that comes with uh, proof of work is really acute. And so if someone it, it wants the expertise and the skills to, to fabricate these circuits are in-house, like, say, at Bitmain or, you know, say, with other, uh, with other manufacturers, that expertise becomes very cheap. So for, I don't know, a few million dollars, you can spin up ASICs for whatever project. And then even though, let's say Bitmain can do that very quickly, they already have the, you know, they have their manufacturer, they already have, have everything unlocked, they have the capital, they have the, the you know, the uh, what is it, facilities to deploy it. Not everybody else has that. So if anyone else comes in and tries to compete, it's going to be very expensive for them relative to Bitmain, and then Bitmain will effectively eat their lunch. So, so there's, you know, that's one of the big downsides to proof of work. And now this obviously wasn't present early on in the game. So, you know, you, when people were GPU mining, it wasn't nearly as acute um, or CP, especially CPU mining. One of the other downsides is incentive alignment. That is, despite the fact that proof of work acts well as a way to create unforgeably costly um, you know uh, voting to vote mm-hmm. on which block is valid and to create a stable blockchain, that part's great, but then there's the downside is what incentive is there for someone who is a large miner to hold their hold the asset? There's not a super strong incentive alignment. So for example, people might be incentivized to mine, but they're not necessarily incentivized to hold. So if you have like, let's say you have 10% of the hash power of, uh, you know, of of a proof of work chain, you'll get 10% of the coins. You could sell every last one of those coins you mine and guess how many you get, you know, going forward. As long as you maintain your 10% of the hash rate, you get 10% of the coins. Mm -hmm. Whereas in a proof of stake or, you know, a majority proof of stake blockchain, if somebody has 10% of the coin or 10% of the stake, that's okay, 10% of the stake supply. And then over time, more people will stake. And so that percentage drops. And then if they, let's say that, you know, that, that uh, stake miner ends mm-hmm. up uh, selling lots of their coins, that reduces the amount of coins they have to stake. So, you know, on the flip side, there are some things where it's like these incentive alignment is a lot stronger with proof of stake than it is with proof of work.
1: Yeah. So uh, what are some of the things you like about Proof of stake. Then, I think
0: the incentive alignment—it's it, much stronger. So, so the incentive alignment for proof of stake is very similar to owning shares in a corporation, right? Mm. So, if you own shares in a corporation, you want that corporation to succeed. You want it to do well. You want the value of those shares to go up, so that so that you can profit and you know ha- have made a good investment. And and so that that is a very powerful mechanism where it aligns the incentive of Organizations and their investors. That's very good, and it's much better than proof of work in that in, in that regard. Another thing that's that's good about uh, proof of stake is that when you look at a hybridized security model, which we have for Decred, the security component that comes from proof of stake actually ends up being the dominating uh, the dominating uh, component. So. There's going to be, uh, you know, uh, when I say security here, I'm talking about Mm. the cost of executing a what is it? A majority attack, where where basically you can, you know, reorganize the blockchain depth one or or greater. The the majority of the cost of that goes to, you know, is it's dominated by proof of stake. Once the cost of a coin is over, I don't know, like ten or fifteen or twenty dollars. In in the case of Decred, you know, these things vary depending on supply for everybody but that's that's a a major advantage of of proof of stake which is that the cost to attack it is much higher from mm-hmm. a majority uh you know from a majority attack perspective um let's see other other ones let's see uh strengths let me give me just a second there's i want to make sure yeah, i'm not so missing. we did I, incentive I, alignment to security
1: um people throw out a lot the um uh, the energy expenditure angle i don't know if that's a oh yeah. you value because i've seen yeah, people I, on both sides valuing or not valuing it radically i'm kind of neutral on that i i see
0: that the the people who talk big about like well oh, we don't want to consume the energy I feel like they're courting the ESG type investors. So it's a little bit more of a game for them where they're like, Oh, mm-hmm. we don't like energy expenditure. And it's like, well, what about all, all the data centers, Google runs or Facebook yeah, runs or banks run? It's like, they got no problem with that. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are some of the downsides of proof of stake?
0: One of the downsides of proof of stake is it's pretty substantial and in, in, in it's very particular to pure proof of stake, which is there's nothing at stake is what it's referred to, right? With, because uh, because you can trivially uh, validate multiple, uh, what is it, uh, candidate box blocks in a blockchain mm-hmm. and basically effectively execute low or no cost reorder reorgs uh, to a mm-hmm. blockchain. That is the the nothing at stake problem where where because you're not expending something that can't be you know, gotten back like you, like you do with proof of work, there's this reversibility to proof of stake, which is, which is kind of daunting to a lot of people. So it's that, you know, if you have no proof of work component, there's nothing irreversible about you know, a large reorg, like, I don't know, like a depth 1000 reorg. That's obviously mm-hmm. very bad for exchanges and you know, payment processors and all kinds of things like that. So, these big reorgs want to be, a, you want to avoid them, but proof, pure proof of stake makes that difficult and it makes it, uh, it, it's, triv- it, it it's trivially cheap to do that. And the way that m- this is handled by, say, Ethereum and a lot of other pure proof of stake systems is they have a penalty or slashing system in place. So that if you try to validate two blocks at the same time as a staker and you choose the wrong block, you are going to potentially lose some of your stake. Uh, you know, in, in some, in, uh, you know, I, I haven't looked at this in in great detail, but my understanding is that you can lose some or all of the stake that you use to validate multiple candidate blocks. So that that you know that res- fixes some of the nothing at stake problem, and then I guess the other problem is you know one of, uh, I think. Oligarchy versus uh, meritocracy. Now, mm-hmm. there's a li- it's a little bit of a false dichotomy, right? Because proof of work. Hey, when everybody had a CPU and it was CPU mining. Okay, uh, you know, you want to talk about you know uh, meritocracy? I I'm I see where that's going. I, I buy into that. But when it comes to meritocracy, and we're talking about Bitmain spending up five million dollars at ASICs in in their yeah. mega facility somewhere in the mountains in China, it's like the meritocracy discussion kind of goes out the window. So, you know, th- that's one of the downsides of proof of stake, which is if you have 10% of the stake, you're and you don't unstake it, you may have 10% or roughly 10% of the stake for the, you know, foreseeable future.
1: Yeah, with like no real action. Yeah, so what was so what was Decred's original breakdown as far as like the block reward from stakers versus miners?
0: We started with sixty uh, percent for miners, thirty percent for stakers, and ten percent for the treasury and we did that because the way I justified it at the time was mining is expensive and it actually requires you know special hardware and you know facilities mm-hmm. and all that so it should be sixty percent and then staking should be thirty percent because it doesn't require that not to mention you know we didn't want to create what i what I would Describe as too great a rate of effectively passive return or mm-hmm. semi passive return because that draws in like the you know the wrong kind of people and and we didn't want to we didn't want to do that, so we did that, but in retrospect, I think I made the wrong call. I pushed mm-hmm. for sixty thirty ten and taco time pushed for thirty sixty ten uh and mm-hmm. that was a uh that was a serious misstep on my part
1: yeah, do you think it was a misstep or do you think it was maybe just appropriate for the time but appropriate to to change at a later date because kind of in the early days of the coin you have mining as more prevalent and then you get more coins i guess dumped on a regular basis and circulated out into the supply rather than kind of starting with the cartel and just keeping that going over a long period of time like is there maybe a silver lining to that mistake the early days mistake maybe it was actually the right thing in the early days
0: Here's my read after seeing what I've seen with this on-chain analysis that was done, mm. which is, I think I was naive uh, in my understanding of how centralized mining has been and and is. That is, you know, longer, you know, further back, like maybe around the time that uh, you know Dash launched, things were still a little bit less decentralized. But by the time we had launched in in early 2016, the the situation had gotten notably worse. Mm -hmm. That is that, you know, industry players were starting to, to establish themselves and then commoditize the mining process to the point where it's, you know, it's just this mega corporate process. So if you would have asked me this question a year ago before I saw what I saw on chain, I would have said, yeah, you know, I think it's, you know, I think it's a good like, you know, hey, it's good to start with it kind of, you know, the end, start running uh, rich and then make it lean on the mining in the longer term. But after what I've seen, I would argue that, you know, I was naive and I didn't realize the extent to which mining was like hyper centralized.
1: Hmm. Yeah. So talk about this reallocation thing uh i know you mentioned that there was a like a a problem being a a group of people that you know decided to accrue a bunch of decred manipulate the price etc uh but was that the main reason for looking into this or were there was this always sort of an idea that like we should probably there's a few technical reasons that are no not related to this outside incident that we should look at as far as reasons to uh change up the allocation?
0: Well, I think one of them that I had seen, you know, and, and I had looked at this analysis back in like, say 2017, is that if you look at the the cost of executing, you know, double spend or majority attacks on Decred, like I was saying earlier, it's dominated by the stake component. So mm-hmm. the stake is really where it derives most of its double spend security from. So, the, you know, the security against reorganizations is majority from stake. And then that had always made me think, hey, maybe it would make sense to reward that more in the future, because if that's where the majority of the security is coming from, it makes sense to reward it more. Um, The other thing that I thought about was, hey, do we really want to go, you know, more, you know, richer on the proof of stake side at some point, because, hey, it would be bad, and then the stakeholders will never vote it back the other way, and, you know, and, and all of that. And that was that was how i thought about it before seeing what i saw and then once i saw what i saw i want, you know in terms of you know coins flowing from a handful of chinese exchanges you know non-stop to binance to suppress the price for what is now almost two years um After seeing that for a while, I mean, my, my, you know, my my view has changed more to be like, well, we need to change this, this mix or else these people will basically run Decred and its price into the ground maliciously, or, you know, maybe just for, for profit's sake, hard to say.
1: Yeah. So what made the 10% be the right amount of reward to push towards proof of work?
0: well the the perspective that we took was we didn't want to bank the goal is not to bankrupt the miners the goal is to make my mi- mining a more mar- economically marginal activity and the reason is is that when miners when miners uh you know can mine incredibly cheaply then the cost of attacking is is incredibly low and attacking in this context means pushing coins to exchanges to suppress the exchange rate so you know if if The pattern is that that they're going to attack effectively the markets. Well, then we need to make it more expensive for them to attack the markets. So instead of attacking double spending or, you know, like the stability of the chain, they decided they're like, oh, no, we're going to attack the markets. And, you know, that process, it's it's a different kind of threat model that I think historically most other coins haven't had to deal with. And part of me suspects that this is actually going on with most, if not all, uh, proof of work, mineable coins, uh, that are say in the top 100.
1: Hmm. Interesting. So as far as the security component, it's, you know, et cetera, right now. Um, so you start with a, I guess mining dominant, but with a good staked element project as far as rewards are concerned, but it turns out that of course the staked element provides more security despite getting less of the money and kind of have this balance for a while now you reduced mining to a minimal although not like maybe not insignificant but a minimal role compared to staking as far as you know the, the rewards uh, is that w- why not get rid of mining entirely i i understand that like you know the the trade-offs but when you have that kind of 10% that small amount going towards that uh doesn't that make the mining component of the security model kind of trivial to compromise, so like if people are going to do a pure proof of stake model, they're going to try to disrupt or take over half the validators or half the coins or whatever. Now having to do that with mining as well, it seems like it's just a trivial add-on to just add to it because of how small it is today.
0: I think that's a, that's a valid point to make um, when it comes to when it comes to the the whether we should just get rid of proof of work entirely. I think that that makes sense. In fact, I would actually quite like it if we could get rid of proof of work entirely um, just because hey, there are some really positive things that come from it. One of them, and I was, I was talking about this earlier, is entropy because, you know, the, the mining process involves spinning through a whole bunch of you know nonces every time you're mining a block. That creates a huge amount of entropy and that helps keep the sortition for the voting uh, secure. So that's a, you know, that's a plus but one of the main reasons we didn't go pure proof of stake is that it's actually a huge amount of engineering. It's a major change to make to go. We used to have a hybrid model. Now we go to a pure proof of stake model. And to do that, we would need to add a, uh, what is it effectively a penalty algorithm for anyone who's found, you know, uh, what is it? Mining multiple chains. And, you know, basically that whole process is a lot of, it's a lot more work and it's a much deeper set of changes so we may end up going that route but it's a you know it's a deeper set of changes to make i mean i guess our realization was really that we thought proof of work was a nominally egalitarian thing where you know hey a random person can buy some miners and mine Mm -hmm. but the reality of it is is that it's highly highly centralized and that it has weak incentive alignment so hey we may as well just cut over to staking entirely because it's actually fairer that is that Not all of these, you know, not a huge portion of the supply is all going to one company or a handful of companies who seem to be out to wreck our project.
1: Yeah. So what do you think about approaches such as Monero, which are still doubling down on proof of work, but kind of going anti-industrial, you know, ASIC resistant as it were?
0: i've actually had a look at that recently i had a pretty decent look at random x so the way random x works is that it uses it creates sort of a simple virtual machine and then mm-hmm. it and then it binds that virtual machine to to the various uh you know hardware components in uh commercial off-the-shelf equipment so it you know it binds it to 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 all of the cache optimizations it binds it to all of these you know cpu and uh you know the various CPU, uh, you know, speculative branches and like all these various uh, things that that you can't reasonably hope to outdo um, in specialty hardware that commodity hardware does. And that's a, it's a very interesting approach, but it also has some, you know, it has some notable drawbacks. One of them being that if you were to use it uh, in the context of a, you know, SPV scheme, it's, it's prohibitive. So for example, let's say we switch from Blake 256, which we use to mm-hmm. random x the the uh, the time it would take to validate just the just the hashes for random x on like a mobile device are comically high i mean it's like it's it, it, it's it's hard to do SPV with that so there are some major drawbacks to it it's a very interesting approach and it, uh, uh, my read is is that a lot of the positive price action that monero has seen recently is actually due to their proactive asic resistance that is that you know if you look at the pattern of what we witnessed is that there are actors out there who control a huge amount of hash power and can you know mine the crap out of your or pretty much any proof of work project, um, but they can't do Monero because of what Monero did and Monero repeatedly forked in order to sort of stymie these actors. So so that has actually led to a lot of positive price action for them. That is that no one can easily dominate you know, their hash rate the same way that they can with, you know, uh, what is it, ASIC friendly uh, uh, mining algorithms.
1: Yeah. Is there any thought of adding that into decred for the mining component or is it just kind of not necessarily worth it because the ultimate goal would be to try to move away from that entirely anyway?
0: That's kind of my, that's kind of where I was going is, is we had looked at it, but the, the issue with it is SPV support. Is if you try to if you try to have SPV support for so people can have like secure mobile wallets, then then that's like basically hosed by RandomX. RandomX it, it requires a lot more time to validate all the headers, and I mean it's already prohibitive if you're doing SPV on a mobile device. It takes you know i don't know tens of minutes to validate everything and then once it's good and good to go you don't have to keep doing that but mm-hmm. when you do the initial sync it's already pretty prohibitive so if you cut over to random x it would be it would be uh painful at best
1: yeah so basically for the simplicity's sake the uh changing the mining component in decred wouldn't really be worth it because it's already less of an issue compared to the rest of the security model right now that it just we wouldn't really gain very much from from switching it, and it would just be just add a lot of uh, difficulty in implementing some things like SPV.
0: Yeah, and then well, and then we'd have to implement uh, you know uh, random X, which is its whole own headache, right? You know, you got to implement random X, and then what's to say there's some segment of the Monero hash rate who would want to mine Decred just to dump it? So it's like you know we go back to this weekly you know weekly aligned incentive problem that seems to come from proof of work. And proof of work worked great for, you know, say Bitcoin early on. And then, you know, it seems to be working pretty well for Monero lately. But I think that, you know, most of the rest of us who have ASIC friendly algorithms are, you know, we've either felt the pain or, you know, will feel the pain at some point when we realize what's going on.
1: Yeah, interesting. Well, this has been a fascinating chat. Where can people find more about you or follow what you do?
0: Um, You can, you can you know, go check out our website at decred.org um and then you know there's chats uh that that we have that are that are linked there under our community uh link um you can hit us up there you want to ask me questions i'm available on twitter but i'm pretty censored so hey you might Mm -hmm. not see me uh but you're welcome to ping me or uh you know uh address me there um and that's uh you know those are really the best ways to get in touch with us and uh it's important to remember that the 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 revolution will not be centralized
1: Absolutely. It sounds great. Well, thanks very much for being on. Hope you have a good one. Cheers.